navigating emotional fatigue, becoming an agony aunt, and turning a passion into a career. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Maggie. And you're listening to Culture Club. This is our monthly interview with a person we find interesting and that we think you will too. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung people and the Gadigal people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast episode. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. With the tagline proclaiming she's exactly like other girls, Lucy Neville is a Sydney-based writer and influencer committed to creating a safe and happy corner of the internet. Lucy has been one of our most requested guests over the years, so we had to get her on the mic to learn more about Australia's favourite agony aunt. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. For people who don't know you, who are you and what do you do? How do you describe yourself? Yeah, really depends. But I'm a content creator and agony aunt. So basically people write their secrets into me in exchange for either just like a safe space or sometimes some, look, it's unqualified advice, but I do put a lot of thought and time into it. So it's definitely anecdotal. But yeah, I kind of created this little space on the internet where people can tell me their secrets. I can't wait to get into that later. We love a bit of gossiping. We love a little bit of sharing (laughs) here. (laughs) Me too. But it's also been such a massive year for you. Um, You recently became a full-time content creator after essentially having two jobs, you know, one in content, one at Mamma Mia. What's that adjustment been like for you? And when did you actually know it was time to take Instagram full-time? Yeah, crazy. Something I never thought I would do, that's for sure. I worked at Mamma Mia for four years. I started as an office manager um, and I left as a senior creative producer. So I really loved my time there. I've got so much gratitude for the opportunities I had there. Like I had no degree or anything to kind of, I also didn't know what I wanted to do. And I felt like there was just a lot of opportunity there and I was really to work really hard. And also I met so many of my best friends there. Like I think about that often. I feel like so many of the people I talk to every single day and I, I see as friends for life, I met there. So very fond memories and leaving was quite bittersweet in the way that it's mm. not like I was leaving because I was like for any other reason than my content work was really picking up to the point where I started to have to turn down things that I didn't want to turn down just because obviously my, my work was my priority mm. and I was an employee, so I was not going to just be like, hey, guys, can't come in tomorrow because I'm doing a photo shoot. Like, that's, <laughs> I think that's the vibe. But I always just, I said to myself that my time when I would really consider it is when I felt like I was turning things down a lot of the time that just didn't work because of um, scheduling or timing. And it was a challenge to do both jobs just in terms of capacity. Um, I didn't have management for most of it. I, I kind of got management towards the end of my time there. So I felt like I was working evenings and weekends. and But I knew I had to do that to kind of get it to a place where it could be something I considered a full-time job. But it just felt like the right time. It was I left at the end of the year, so it felt like I was wrapping up a year. And I feel like when I made space for opportunities, they came. So I'm really glad that... Mm. I made the decision, but it was definitely bittersweet. Definitely. 
I love that so much about making space. The adjustment was really weird. Yeah. Like I remember January 9th, which is like the start of the work year, like after holidays. And I like opened my laptop and I was like, all right, full-time employment. There's going to be so many emails for me to do, full-time self-employment, sorry. And I, I had not a single email, not a single job, <laughs> not, nothing. Like, And that obviously was like, okay, cool, we're now going to spend some time on our own. January is very quiet. And so that adjustment was strange, really strange. Well, speaking about adjustment periods, hey, I want to kind of know what was it like entering the media industry without a degree? Because Mm -hmm. um, from our experience of talking to like budding young creatives, there's a lot of – I guess, fear around like not having enough experience or not having the correct degree. How was that like for you? Yeah. Um, I went straight out of school into music. I did music full-time for about five years. So I ran a business um, alongside my dad and released electronic music and had a really fun time doing that. But when that came to its natural conclusion, I really didn't know what to do. I kind of had a couple of odd jobs and jobs, not careers, if you know what I mean. Like I was just kind of like, yep, going to work is fine. And that's where I was for that for a little while. And then I saw a job come up at Mamma Mia and it was an office manager job. And I was like, that looks like a fun place to work, lots of young women. And I don't know what I want to do, but maybe I'm going to have a city job. Like it was really different to anything that I'd done before. And in terms of not having a degree, for that role, it wasn't required. And then I found that because of my background in kind of running a business, there were lots of things that I I could bring to the table, regardless of not having a great a degree. I was like, I've got experience in events, I've got experience in production, and that's kind of what I ended up doing at Mamma Mia. So I feel like I at times it it felt odd, especially when my friends were at uni. I was like what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm just like playing shows and mm. what's this going to mean for me in the future? And I am, I do get a lot of messages about it too. I, I feel like that it is quite a barrier to entry for a lot of jobs in media, right? But I feel like I just, there was a lot of trust and there was a lot of opportunity at Mamma Mia that I'm really grateful for because I don't feel like I was ever discounted for not having a degree. Um, and it was more about what I could do with the experience that I had. I love that because you don't hear that very often of people starting in one entry-level job and working their way up, especially within that like four years is quite quick to become like a creative producer. So I think that's really inspiring for people who might not have a degree or ha- who have a different degree, like sometimes the yeah, path yeah. to get to where you want to be, you don't even know where you want to be. So the path, you just kind of take the opportunities as they come up. I had no idea. Like within the first year of being there, I, you know, was working on one of the live show tours and then there were some events that I could assist in. And I think just really the opportunities that were there, just putting my hand up and being like, I I have something to contribute to this or, and sometimes it was scary because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, And yeah, I feel like it was a really good place for that kind of opportunity. And yeah, as you said, I never thought I would have ended up managing other creatives like that that was I would never have believed that when I started there so yeah what has it been like going from that experience of having a team around you all the time 
um, like, you know, the regular income and stuff to then being self-employed? Yeah, look, the thing about being self-employed, there's obviously lots of parts of it that give you this ex- these extra freedoms. But at the same time, if I want to go on leave or I'm having a shit day or I'm sick or whatever, that's fine, but I won't make any money. <laughs> so um, I think that obviously you're swapping that kind of security for more flexibility. In terms of motivation, I think I have a pretty good personality type for it. And I also love being creative and production. So I feel like I'm yet to hit a point where I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do this. Um, so I think in terms of motivation, I have that going down. But the other thing is working on your own. Like I'd gone from working in a workplace with 80, 90, 100 women. And yeah. then especially in that first month that I was saying like in that January month, um, you know, I was watching everyone go back to work on Instagram and being with friends. And I don't know, I, I was like, I'm really on my own. And I've got great management who I speak to all the time. So like, it's not like I'm ever actually really on my own. But I did feel like, okay. But in that time, I kind of leaned on my other friends, my other creator friends. So I have friends that I see every week who are creators as well, full time creators, because I mm. think it's just good to see a colleague almost, um, to talk about yeah. work and because otherwise it does feel like you're kind of holding everything on your own. But yeah, I, I get excited about work still and it's been 10 months, so that's a good sign. <laughs> but it definitely... Very good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We teased up top that we were going to be speaking about secrets um, and you've mm. recently become Elle Magazine's Agony Aunt. Can you tell us about that journey and also why you think this type of um, advice column has kind of made a comeback this year? Yeah, so I pitched the column to Elle because I have this fascination with regret and it's formed over the last few years because of what people write into me and I, and I started to notice that we are really all holding on to things that we've done or mistakes we've made or things the things we would do differently, things we didn't do. Like these secrets come into me every week and the Instagram format allows for a very small, like maybe one sentence of someone's story. And I just decided that I wanted to explore those stories more in depth because I feel like we deserve... I feel like there's a, a culture of, you know, jumping onto something and without hearing the whole story and I just believe that humans are more nuanced than that and I want to know more about someone's story and people carrying around these really heavy burdens, I kind of wanted to be in some way help people lighten those. So the whole purpose of the column was to ha- to have someone speak their regret out loud and behind an anonymity so it never felt too exposing and then in the process of that, hoping that that person would be able to release their regret and, you know, carry on a little bit lighter and the readers as well. So, I, you know, for most of us, we read a story about a regret and we go, okay, yeah, I've probably done something a bit similar or I've got something that I can relate to here and I just wanted to lighten some loads. I struggle with regret um, and just mm-hmm. thinking, um, yeah, it's just like I struggle to forgive myself for things and minor things just that anxiety kind of brain and I was like let's channel this I find that most kind of writing is self-serving in some way I'm like let's channel this into something that I can help people with (laughs) instead of just sitting in my own brain all the time so yeah I feel like 
it's been really rewarding and the feedback that I've had from the people that write their stories to me is that sometimes it's the first time they've said it out loud, sometimes it's maybe something that's been brewing away at them for decades and saying it and putting it in words has helped them understand it more. Um, I've had really wonderful feedback from it. So, yeah, because a lot of the feedback I would get from my segment on Instagram, Let It Out, which is where people share whatever they want to share, is sometimes people will react to it. So say someone has been unfaithful or cheated or whatever, I'd often get a lot of reactions, especially at the start, being like, this is so bad, I can't believe this person did this. And I was like, hang on, well, like I've created this space for someone to to speak without feeling judged. So I wanted to tell these stories in full and hopefully change people's minds and let have people read full stories before coming to a conclusion that's really interesting that you pitched it to Elle that's really really cool like making your own opportunities in that way as well yeah yeah they've been awesome like it's obviously such a iconic publication and it's been a real honor to be able to to write on their platform and I think it's month I think I've published four stories now I'm working on the next one at the moment so it's monthly yeah and if you do feel comfortable do you mind sharing kind of your journey with regret and how you've navigated this especially while I guess grappling with other people's regret yeah I it's interesting because I feel like I've got so much time and advice for other people and when they write into me saying here's this thing that I did 10 years ago 15 years ago or here's something that I'm going through right now I'm like I, I can see that on paper and not feel any shame or judgment towards them and in fact I feel often mostly just empathy and compassion and I'm like this must be really heavy for you to carry and then it's almost like I turn my phone off or shut my laptop and I go remember that time you weren't the nicest possible person that you could have been to that person in year seven or whatever and it's like I don't seem to have that compassion for myself that's a therapy situation we're working on it but um yeah I I wanted to it's almost like reassuring myself through the column that from all the feedback that we get from like people are good, people are compassionate and they read people's stories and they understand them. And yeah, I feel like it's been a very, it's been a wonderful process, especially talking to the, I I get the honor and the privilege of being able to be trusted by these people and speak with them more in depth about their stories. And it's been very healing, very healing. So this column started from you have multiple segments on Instagram on your page. Your column started with Let It Out. I was wondering, because you're hearing like the worst parts of people's week or like something super heavy that they've been carrying, like you said, do you ever struggle with emotional fatigue when when like every week you're getting like people's really sad stories? And like do you have any I don't kind of self-care that you do to like combat that or do you just feel only empathy and love and you just want to help people? I think there are some stories that stick more than others, but I am, mm. I will like cry at ads on TV. I'm very, I like to will just like take on emotional load, but it has never felt draining or taxing. And that's really the honest truth. Like I don't feel, um, I never really feel heavy after hearing people's stories. I feel this r- real sense of gratitude that they trust me with them and mm. I take that trust really seriously. And through COVID and obviously there are some stories that are more uh, like someone's worst day that they've written it about is that they dropped their favourite wine glass and like, ugh, that sucks, right? Like all of us 
we know that that's a shit feeling. And then someone might have lost their mum. Like those are two very different levels mm, yeah. of a bad day, right? Two very different days. And mm. I think that I just always feel really grateful that not only have I, do they trust me with their, you know, what they're going through, but also that they know that the community that's grown around it is going to receive their submission with nothing but empathy and kindness. Like I really rarely get, the internet I know can be a bit, how are you going? But I rarely receive (laughs) the negative side of it because I feel like my community has grown slowly and the people that come to it know that the conditions of being a part of that community is that we respect people's share like when people share and we listen and we learn and Mm. yeah I I, the answer to that is probably some things I think about a lot there are people like I I know most people that write in by name I think about them often sometimes I'll check in but it also is important for everyone to understand I'm not a therapist I'm not there to kind of be someone's sole support but if they need to just write it in a question box on Instagram to get something off their chest like I'm more than happy do that I've actually written into your letter out before we kind of knew of each other I think I just started following you and it was like a medical thing and mm. it was something I was like kind of concerned about but I was like oh and you just did the letter out thing and I did feel lighter afterwards like yeah. you were just like oh that sucks like go get it checked out or something along those lines um and just having someone because I felt like I was like being a hypochondriac. So I didn't want to tell people closest to me. I was like, it's probably nothing. Like it's fine. But just telling like a a basically stranger on the internet just felt like this tiny weight had lifted. And then I don't, I think I forgot about it or something like that. But I was like, wow, that's so powerful that you just, it's so true. Like you don't even need to therapy speak back to people or like invest that, like get a degree in psychology to do this. Like it's just like that community basically that you've created, which I think is so special. And there's not many places on the internet like that these days. I feel like most people just want to say it, like they just want to say something. Mm. And I get it. Like sometimes when the elephant's in the room, but you're not, you don't feel like you can tell anyone the elephant's in the room. <laughs> like if you don't want to burden your friends with something, <laughs> which obviously I feel like we're not burdening our friends. We should be able to talk to our friends. But I, I get it because I, when I'm going through something, yeah. but I'm also supporting a friend through something, I don't then want to be like, oh, I'm having the worst time. So I feel like sometimes just, again, I'm also a third party. So for most of these things that are really stressful in someone's life, I don't know anything about it. So they can tell me whatever they want. They don't have to add the nuance around it. They can be like, do you know what? My sister's boyfriend sucks. And I'm like, right. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to be their mum being like, oh, but he really does try. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like it's just a, You don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do often get replies being like, we need more context. And I have to remind people like, we're not going to get more context. That's the context. Mm. And that's fine. Just let them say it. I'm also really pleasantly surprised to hear that while yes, internet is just a dodgy place at times, but you don't um, you don't engage or you don't receive too many trolls because aside from this content that you provide, um, you know, this safe space for people to share, you also post a lot about like the realities of life, whether that be like bad mental health days or body image. But overall, it is a really, really happy and positive space. And I'm wondering, have you ever been accused of perpetuating toxic positivity? Has that been a conversation that you've ever had to encounter? 
I haven't. And I feel like I'm conscious of uh, walking that line really carefully. Like I don't ever want to pretend that everything is awesome all the time. It's certainly not. And the last couple of years have been eye-opening for everyone. I think like I do struggle with my mental health, so I make a conscious effort not to I don't feel like I have to share, but it's almost like I can be a really happy, motivated, driven person and also be struggling and that doesn't take away from how good I am at my job or like I I like to be as honest as I can with my following. I do have boundaries in place, kind of invisible boundaries, I guess. Um, But I did find that when I shifted to posting more about my actual life, which is not always wonderful, people felt safer to share about theirs as well and I think that that was you know Instagram three years ago was just hot photos like it's really changed (laughs) in in that time and I try to be positive I try to be a positive place for people to come on the internet because I think there are so many places that don't make you feel good like I want to be part of someone's curated feed that is set up to make them feel good about themselves but that's not to say that we don't talk about difficult things as well. Um, so no, no one's ever said it was toxically positive, but I, I am, I'm super conscious of that as well. Like if someone writes in with something really awful, I'm not going to be like, no worries, bestie, smile through it. Like <laughs> I will be like, this sucks. This really sucks. Give yourself a moment to grieve and what can we do to move forward and, you know, yeah. not live in this grief for the next how many years. I, I try to move people forward but also not, letting them but not not letting them acknowledge that stuff sucks sometimes you just said before so obviously you have your your platform with your where you're sharing um you're listening to people um but then you also have lucy neville as a person which is it's like intertwined like it's your personal account um so do you have social media boundaries i was wondering because it's something that i've been Mm. learning a lot this year and trying to implement around the internet because working in media having the podcast having a personal page it's not heaps big or anything but like just all those things intertwined and it felt like I was always always like living my life through the lens of social media so I was wondering do you struggle with that and um yeah what are your boundaries my boundaries um, a really good example of my boundaries is there was an incident maybe a year ago where someone on the street doesn't like as in total random came up and just hit me on the street and they were you know it was it was really scary it was awful and because I I'm such a chronic poster I posted about it straight away mm. and just was like this was an awful experience like like I, I don't know who this person is like it was total random just like someone having a bad day, I guess. And I immediately started getting really well-meaning and messages of concern. And I started to feel worse because I realized that I had posted before I had processed and I've just been hit by a stranger on the street in my lunch break. Like what the hell has just happened? Do I need to go to the police? Do I need to like, you know, I hadn't thought about any of these things and before I had given myself a chance to be, to feel shaken up and to, you know, give myself a moment to be like, what the hell just happened? I now had lots of really well-meaning people in my DM saying, you need to report this to the police. What if they do it to someone else? Like, are you okay? And I realized that I wasn't okay. And I also wasn't ready to respond to all these messages about it. So 
that was probably the first time that I realized that I'm not going to talk about things when they're difficult in that moment. Mm. So I now talk about something. I might have gone through something six months ago and maybe then I'll start talking about it. Like I was diagnosed with arthritis a couple of years ago, didn't talk about it for a while because shitty time, didn't really want to talk about it. And mm. then when I'm ready to talk about it and I've wrapped my head around it and it doesn't feel as big and scary and it feels more, I don't know, think something that I can handle, then I'll, you know, I'm comfortable with people asking questions. But that is my biggest boundary is there's always something going on that I'm not talking about, but it doesn't mean that I'm not being mm. honest. It's just that I'm not ready to talk about it. Mm. And I also don't share, um, you know, I'm in a relationship, but I would never post anything that, you know, my partner's not particularly on social media that much. So it's, I'm, I wouldn't post anything to make him uncomfortable. I, I check with him before I post anything about us. Um, same with my family. I'm, I'm pretty conscious about my choice to be online and the people around me, maybe not making that same choice, but they might not feel like they can say, oh, I didn't really want you to post that. So those are my boundaries and yeah, just, just giving myself a moment to digest something before opening it up to commentary and messages and just for other people to, to kind of, yeah, I want to make sure I understand something before I start explaining it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that as well, because um, seeing your arthritis content, it's really meaningful for me. I have an autoimmune um, condition and I also see a like, rheumatologist for it. Um, and you don't see many other young women speaking about no. this. Um, I did want to ask though, <laughs> how do you navigate chronic pain um, in the world of what you're doing in terms of work? Yeah, my arthritis is pretty under control at the moment, which is awesome. Um, but it hasn't always been that it it does get really hard, especially when, you know, I, I want to be able to do things and I will say there are sometimes people will make comments, not so much now, but at the start, like sometimes my autoimmune will cause for, for a while they had to be on a really restricted diet and, um, for purely because I was changing some just stuff with my doctors and, you know, people will start commenting on bodies and things like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sick right now. Like this is like that kind of social media thing I find a bit challenging, um, but not so much now. In terms of the pain side of things, I am usually just pretty honest. Like if I have to do – luckily most of my work is kind of like sitting down, but sometimes I do get into a why me kind of headspace and that mm. is difficult when it's like my platform – is mostly about being positive. So yeah. that can be challenging. But in terms of the pain stuff, luckily it is pretty well managed at the moment, which is great. I think even just hearing the reality of you being like, sometimes you do have days where you're like, why me? Yeah. And you have that kind of self, you know, flagellating day where you're like, why do I have to go through this? Even hearing that was really just reassuring in that moment. So like that in itself definitely does help I would say <laughs> at least for me <laughs> I think as well because my my illness is invisible it's like sometimes when I say I've got arthritis someone's like for for a lot of people they're like associate that with elderly people and to be honest when I go to mm. hospital if I have to go to hospital I'm in the geriatric ward like I get it <laughs> it's it's not something that it's super common. So obviously I'm more than happy to speak about it because it has formed this really beautiful community of people 
with my condition or similar conditions that, you know, have, I, I've become really good friends with some of them because I didn't know anyone else. The, the most isolating part of the diagnosis was that I, one, never heard of it and two, didn't know anyone else. I didn't even know where to start looking for a community. So I am always happy to speak about it because I just think that anything I can do to make it feel a bit more normal for anyone else, I am happy to do. That lovely note brings us to the end of the episode. We have one last question for you, which is that every week on our podcast, we give our listeners recommendation on what they've been or what we've been reading, listening to or watching lately. So can you please share a recommendation that you've been loving lately? Yes, I can. I have been really loving The Imperfects. I'm sure it gets recommended mm-hmm. often. Um, I feel so seen in that podcast I feel like it's such a lovely, non-judgmental space um, for people to be really candid. And I'm also loving But Are You Happy by Claire Stevens on Mamma Mia. Mm. I find that that podcast has been very enlightening on some of the people that, you know, I've never heard them speak in this kind of way before. So those two podcasts, I'm obviously (laughs) just in that mental health space at the moment. (laughs) but. Those two podcasts, I feel like, are a great way to be in that space, but not. It, it doesn't feel heavy. It feels really hopeful. Both of those. Yeah, I love. But are you happy? It's so good. Yeah, and I only recently started listening to the Imperfects, and this is actually the first time it's been mentioned on Culture Club. So oh. thank you for bringing it to the table. I'm sure a lot of listeners will love it too. Yeah, I think it's like it's one that I really look forward to. It, it, I feel like it shines a, a light on things that people are living with and I always just feel really seen and if I'm not feeling seen I'm I'm learning something so yeah I feel mm. better for listening to it yeah and it can probably help you as well with your own platform of just listening and listening to other people's yeah problems I guess. <laughs> yeah thank you so much for joining us today Lucy if our listeners um are new to you and this is their first introduction um to you where can they find you on the world wide web Lucy M Neville is my handle on most things I would love to have Lucy Neville but it's um that account is there's a photo of a cake and it's got zero <laughs> zero followers and it follows zero people but now I feel like I'm just Lucy M Neville so it's fine <laughs> that cake is coming for your throat oh, man. <laughs> how annoying as well that it's zero and zero like if it was someone's page you could be like oh okay you got that first but it's just like inactive you're like damn it it's literally an inactive account but that's fine that's fine sometimes people think my name is Lucy Melville so who knows <laughs> Well, thank you, Lucy M. Nelville, for joining us today on Culture Club. Well, <laughs> we've so loved having this chat with you. Thank you always for being so honest and vulnerable on your own pages online, but also here on the podcast. So, yeah, thank you for that kind of like warm, comforting hug that mm. like, I feel like we've just shared. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Long time listener. First time. First time caller. We're on a call. (laughs) Bye. See ya. Bye.